Let me share a testimony that fits exactly what we're doing. And so here's what I, here's what I want you guys to understand is like when you read the scriptures, there'll be a, there, there's the literal meaning, right? You see it, you read it. And then there's always the spiritual meaning is what it says. And so you'll, this will really help you when you start going through scripture that the whole thing, I mean the whole thing is the transition from the carnal mind, which says the things of the spirit aren't received by the spirit, to the mind of Christ. And it's the natural man, what we see with our physical senses, and turning that into the spiritual man, which is the divine Christ in us, the anointing in us. So the whole thing, you'll realize every story is that. And that's what the scriptures actually say. So, you know, sometimes people get confused. They're like, so you don't believe the Bible? I go, no, I actually believe it more now than I've ever believed it because we're reading it how it should be read. And once you read it spiritually, it's like the most beautiful thing that you'll ever find. And so I'm just trying to heal a lot of the scriptures for a lot of you guys that read them and were taught them in a really condemning way, like the unrighteous servant was, was taught that way. And uh, we'll heal that up and show you how really good it is. So here's a great testimony, and I'm not going to use names or locations because this is really, here's how the whole thing works. We don't walk with the carnal mind. Well, most of us do, and it's this learning how to not, right? Carnal mind is, I see the reality with what's going on with my physical senses. And sometimes it's better than other times, isn't it? <laughs> when we see the physical, like, uh-oh, that, that doesn't look so good. And so the reality is we can literally see how we want it to be, and it'll become. So it's this whole idea of the external man, like when you see the, the parable of the prodigal and the one who was outside the house serving, serving, serving God but not enjoying any of the inheritance that was already his. It's this, I'm trying to become, I'm praying for God to come, I'm praying for God to, I'm praying for God to change me. Um, where are you, God? How come this isn't working? All that kind of stuff to the God of I am. Meaning, I am this. And you literally leave everything else behind that you don't want, even though you can still see it in the physical. But if you go, you know what? I'm tired of my life this way. I don't have to earn a thing. I inherit it all. I'm going to start being what I want to be. I am this. So you go from the God outside, trying to earn it, trying to be good enough. And I mean, guys, that's just exhausting, isn't it? Like, I could never be good enough. And so I was happy as a clam until I got saved. <laughs> and then, then you're like, oh, no, God only blesses you if you're good enough. I'm like, oh, I'm out then. Like, I'm out. Like, no, because I'm not, Right? If we're really honest, isn't that true? If we're really honest. And then they, then they go, no, no, no. Here's how great it is. You simply choose what you want life to be from this day forward. And we all mess up every day, so don't beat yourself up. But the better we get at, no, I am this. Now you've gone to Yahweh. The power of God and the wisdom and power of God is I am and I will become who I am. When Moses was asked, who sent you? He says, I am. So whatever you think you are, that is who I am. Isn't that fascinating? So instead of trying, you just be. I'm going to be this from now on in my mind. And it'll become, guys, as if, they, if the past never even mattered. You don't have to go navel gaze or try fix your past. It's, that's exhausting too. Depressing, actually. You simply go, that's not the real me. The real me has always been perfect. The real me has always been abundant. The real me is anything I want to be. It's Yahweh. Isn't that cool? So anyway, this is, this is a story of this. So this was real time. And... Uh, um, it says, I'm not going to use real names. I'm going to make stuff up just so you can't tell who it is. It says, hey, Mike and Barb, 
I'm a father that lives in X state. I've been watching and listening to you guys for the last year after finding you through Brad Jur's X ministry. I'm not a person that normally reaches out and asks for prayer, but I have a situation that I need help with. My daughter is in the hospital in Portland. She's only X amount of years old. She's fighting for her life. I've gone through all the emotions of sadness, anger, crying out to God. <clears throat> but I want to do what I've been learning because I know this is the real deal. And we've all gone through that, haven't we? Like crying, yelling, yelling banging on your steering wheel, whatever you've done. Um, I'm visualizing her sitting up with no tubes in her, so she's intubated, right? Fighting for her life, eating jello, <laughs> calling me on the phone, and we're laughing and rejoicing that she's well. I can't wait to bring this testimony to share with all of you. Thanks, Mike and Barb. So this was on Wednesday. Uh, I got it at Wednesday at 6.51 a.m. So that day, um, Barb and I just sent back, hi, my friend. We're feeling the joy right now of you emailing us that it happened exactly as you're picturing it. So all we did, guys, is we felt the joy of going, how happy would this dad be emailing me going, oh my gosh, it happened exactly how I pictured it within. As soon as you can feel that emotion, it doesn't take you long, sometimes five minutes or five seconds, 10 seconds, 20 seconds, it's done, right? And that's, that's, we, that's really, once you feel the emotion, like, oh, that would be so great, it's done. That's a spiritual seed, and it's over. <clears throat> so uh, two days later, so Friday, Mike and Barb, great news. My daughter's off the ventilator. All the IVs are already out, and she sat up and drank water exactly like we saw. The doctors are amazed at her incredible recovery. I'm crying like a baby. God's love never fails. Thanks for praying and believing in the resurrection power that we possess through our union Love to all. Can't wait to visit you guys when we come through Colorado. Isn't that cool? That fits exactly what we're talking about, the unrighteous servant today. So let's get into this. Um, <clears throat> so this parable of the unrighteous servant, it's really about forgiveness, guys. Not forgiveness is like this, this thing how we were taught. Like uh, if a brother confronts you, go confront him in public and go embarrass him in front of the church. Ultimately, it's like, no, it's none of that. It's exact opposite of all that. It's to go within and, and see yourself and that person in their true identity in Christ. So, for instance, if, the, if, you, if somebody comes to you and sin just literally means hamartia, not in your original form, not your original identity. The truth is your original identity, every one of you, is limitlessness, it's abundant, it's whole, it's joyful, it's enjoying life with zero guilt or condemnation no matter what. That's your true self. Isn't that good? That'd be a great way to live, wouldn't it? So when somebody comes to you not doing that, says if a brother sins against you, meaning you see them not in their, uh, their true identity, you forgive that. You're a-righteous. Righteousness would mean, righteousness means the equal balance on the sides of a scale. So if somebody comes to you and they're not living in that perfect identity, you forgive it in your mind, meaning I'm going to see them in their true identity in Christ, and I'm going to feel the joy of them. So if they're in lack, you see them as how good would it feel where they're, where they're telling me in my mind or they're emailing me, however you communicate with them, going, I don't know what happened, but I've never been happier in my life and money's just flowing into my life. You see them like that. Does that make sense? So you're not righteous, meaning they're coming to you and it looks like, oh, they're gonna get evicted from their house. I'm just making stuff up, right? So we, if we were righteous, we would go, yep, we would agree with them. But unrighteous is going, you know what? We're supposed to walk by faith, not by sight. So they're telling me, I'm going to get evicted. I have no money. I'm just, I'm making this stuff up. But I'm just giving you an example, right? 
So we go, not to their face even, just in our mind we go, I'm going to be a-righteous, the opposite of agreeing with them. I'm going to see them who they truly are. And I'm going to see them telling me that, and that will come to pass. That's the unrighteous servant, not agreeing with what they see in the physical. Does that help you guys? All right, so let's, let's get into that. Let me read it to you first, because it's probably almost easier to tell you what, it not, what it's not first, because most of us have been taught really condemning. So it's Luke 16 is uh, the story. And uh, I told Barb, I said, I knew, I knew when I was, I knew it's, it's about forgiveness, but I couldn't get it. Like, because there's double negatives and all kinds of this. One time you're dishonest, one time you're honest in this whole thing. It's like confusing as all get out. So if you read it in just literalness, you're going, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and here's, here's where it sent us down this journey in all honesty. So Barb and I, like, when, when we quote unquote got saved, we actually tried. We actually tried to do the stuff. Like, then we were like, all the people that have been in church, they're like, oh, we don't do that. Like, well, what do you do? Oh, we just judge people. <laughs> they didn't say that, but that's really what the experience was. So we're like, wait a minute. So we, we uh, and so it was, um, it was this pastor and then an elder at the mega church we were going to. We pin them down on this scripture, right? We're like, hey, somehow this unrighteous servant's the good guy. He's being dishonest with the books but somehow, God's saying the master is happy, which would be God, and all the people are happy. This sounds like a good thing, right? It literally says the master's happy and phileo, where we get brotherly love, like Philadelphia. It says in all your brotherly love, you're walking in brotherly love, if you tell them, no, that's not your debt. You re-. So what the whole story is, hey, what do you owe? 100 measures of wheat, 100 measures of oil. No, you don't know that. And he quickly changed the books, and it says, here's what you owe. He, he lessened it. And so we're going, somehow, God is really happy about this guy. And so they gave us some bogus thing. But we just kept pressing, like, no, that's not what it says. And they're, they're just shocked when you actually read it, you know? Like, well, you're not supposed to read it. You're just supposed to take what I say up here. And, uh, and at, at the end, they're all like, we don't know. And so mentally, that's when we really, we started to go on this journey, like, well, I'm going to go figure this out myself. If you've been through Bible school and you're the elder of the church and you're the pastor and you don't know Jack, like, what are you doing, right? So that's really, so it's this glorious journey. So we've, we've all been down this road. And once you find it, you're like, it's the best news in the world. So the story goes, uh, so it's Luke 16. Anybody know what's in the chapter before it, Luke 15? All the parables, yeah, that's all the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. You know, there's no chapters in Greek, like in the writings. It didn't go, okay, now chapter 15. Okay, now chapter 16. So if you take it standalone and start at chapter 16, you're going to just butcher it, right? It's a continuation of all the parables. It just keeps going. So there's no commas. There. So <clears throat> let me read it to you in Luke 16 first. And then we'll, we'll dissect this and, and really get some good news out of this. Sound good? All right. So here's the surface reading, Luke 16. All right. And he also said unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. So he had a servant that was wasting his goods, right? And he called him and he said unto him, how is it that I hear these, this of thee? Give account of your stewardship, for you may no longer be my steward. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? The Lord takes away my stewardship. I cannot dig. I'm too ashamed to beg. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put 
when I'm put out of my stewardship, so they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of the Lord's debtors unto him and said unto them, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said, no, take the bill, sit down quickly and write 50. So in the natural, it would be um, like James and Rhonda, if, if somebody's running your till and it's like they gave him a hundred bill and then they wrote 50. Not good, right? Where'd the other 50 bucks go when you're actually trying to, right? But somehow this is really good. God's really happy about this. So a uh, hundred measures of oil. He said, no, 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 you didn't give me a hundred dollar bill. You gave me 50. So what did he do? He lowered the debt, Right? Then he said to the other, how much do you owe? A hundred measures of wheat. And he said, no, 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 take your bill and write 80. Where'd the 20 bucks go, right? And I said unto you, and I said unto you, make to your, so here's now, here's the parable. I'm telling you guys, be like them. So he says, make to yourselves friends, walk in brotherly love of the mammon, the trust of unrighteousness. That when you, that when the, when the mammon, physical money fails, they may receive you into eternal habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is also unjust in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who can commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? You cannot serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the religious leaders were really ticked, is what it says next. You can always tell who's, what's going on when you read it, right? So what is going on? So here's what we were taught by the pastor and the elder at the megachurch we were at. Well, if he can't trust you with money, he can't trust you with true riches. Never heard that? And I'm like, time out. Did you read the sentences right before? The guy who he could trust stewarding everything he had got nothing. And the guy who went to Vegas got everything. So the guy who wasted his riches in, it says riotous living, so just let your mind run, right? Whatever that looks like to you. Some of it's more riotous than others. So he didn't feel deserving that he could do it, yet God's commending him because he went into the house, he went within and realized, I'm an heir, I'm a son of God, and I could never waste anything even if I've been wasteful of what I've always had, I realize it never runs out and I can have unlimited finances any team I want. Because if, it's, if you earned it, if what he's trying to, how, how they were teaching it to us is if he can't trust you with physical money, he's not gonna trust you with anything else. Doesn't that sound the opposite of grace? It says by faith in grace, grace means I don't deserve anything but I get it all. You're trying to make the older brother, the good guy, and he's saying the younger brother who went to Vegas is the good guy here. What is going on? Right? Because these religious pastors to pull out their hair is exactly what it said. Because they're trying in their best to be good, and yet, ah, oh, they all got these little things going on, right? And it's exposed. It's like, uh oh. So, you want to know what it really means? All right, so let's, let's dig into this. First of all, all of you guys. I don't care if you've been crazy with money. You can decide today, go, I am not that. I am abundant, and you will be. That's how it works. Amen? Isn't that cool? Now, don't put yourself right back in works and go, how am I going to do it? I got to do this. I got to be better at this. That's not how it works. You simply decide, I actually am wealthy and abundant right now, and it'll start to show up in your life. I don't care how hard you work. It'll be temporary if you don't get that right. 
Does that help you guys? So that, let's get the condemnation out, first of all. So <clears throat> here's what he's saying. If we go to this, oh, okay, the slide's up there. All right, good job, guys. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, all right. All right, so the lost sheep and the lost coin. I think it takes a little bit, uh, explanation in Luke 15. So, so you see the surface reading. All of you guys have seen the surface reading of Luke, the lost sheep, right? So we have this idea that we're like, bah, and this should tell you right now it's not literal because unless you guys are running around bowing like sheep, maybe some of you guys did when you were baptized in the spirit, but um, don't do that stuff anymore. You don't have to be a Flintstone and yabba dabba do nothing. You don't have to do anything. That's not how it works. So you can tell right away it's not literal. If you're called sheep, you're, most of you are not, bah, right? Come on, like, get real. So, so we have this picture, like we're lost, we're wandering around somewhere, and Jesus comes and he drags me on their shoulders like, oh God, Mike's lost again. Come on, let me put you on the shoulders and he brings us back in, right? Isn't that the picture we have? All right, that's the surface reading. You want to know the spiritual reading when you actually read it in Greek. It's actually really cool. So sheep, it's, when you see sheep in Greek, it says someone who walks forward. Literally, it just says someone who walks forward. All right? <clears throat> so how are we taught to walk in Scripture? It says you are to walk by what you see inside, by faith, not by what you see outside. We're, walked, we're to walk by faith, not by sight. So if we, if we are not walking forward with our heads straight and we're walking like this, we're looking at our tail. Does that make sense? So a lost sheep is doing this. Like, they fall off. It says that's where the blind lead the blind. They both fall into a pit because they don't know where they're going, right? Because they're looking at life backwards. So here's what that means, literally, is I'm trying to find my way looking at my past. And this is exactly quantum physics, exactly the spends He goes, listen, if you keep rehearsing the same things, the same emotions over and over and over, you stay there. It's like Lot's wife turned back and what was she turned into? Pillar of salt. Salt is a preservative. It says if you keep looking backwards at your life instead of exactly what you want, you remain in that life. You preserve that life. Does that make sense to you guys? Like all the scriptures actually make sense. I don't literally think she was a pillar of salt. <laughs> I haven't seen any of you guys turn into pillar of salts, right? <laughs> Some of us should, but we, we're not. So it's all this spiritual thing. Now, and then he says this. So, he, so we're lost. He said, you're walking by what you see with your physical senses and trying to change your life by doing something on the outside. It doesn't work. It'll frustrate you to no end. Here's what it says. Just stop all of that. See yourself exactly how you want to be, fully joyful, fully happy, fully abundant. Now you've lost, now you've found your way. You're not looking at your tail, you're looking ahead and you're walking forward. So it says, which of you, and then he goes into the, uh, a literal story that they could understand. But in the Greek, it's actually fascinating. It says, so hey, you guys, which of you that had 100 sheep, if you didn't lose one, would not leave the 90 and nine, ding, 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 you should start going, what does 90 and nine mean, Right? You will leave the 99 and go find the sheep. And then here's what it says, literally. When you find it, you will realize it has been laid on your shoulders. Where's the Ark of the Covenant? And it makes a point to go, it's been laid out horizontally, so rest. You'll find it when you rest from your shoulders up. That's where you're going to find salvation. Isn't that wild? And then it says, you will leave the 90 and 9. Well, you got to go to Hebrew and go, what does 90 plus 9 mean? So we're walking backwards. We're walking at, trying to find life looking at our past. And it doesn't work very well, right? 
So 90 literally is the Hebrew word zod, or Hebrew letter zod, which means hooked, the hooked man by what he sees. It's the harvest of the head. And nine is the Hebrew letter tet, and it's a snake that twists you backwards. So here's what it says. If you're looking at your life like this, you're hooked to the past because you're twisted your head around and you're walking backwards. Forget all of that. Realize salvation's laying on your shoulders and you simply can see what you want your life to be and in ways we do not know, the Spirit of God, Christ in us, brings us there with no effort on our own. That is leaving the 99 and finding my lost sheep. Isn't that interesting? Because if you don't understand all of that, you're, you're definitely going to butcher the unrighteous servant. So now we get into the unrighteous servant. What did I write? Did I write anything good? Yeah. Did I, did I, did I say that kind of stuff in there? Yeah, okay. So Romans 4, you've all heard this, right? So it says, um, Romans 4, 16 and 17 says, tell us by faith that, God is, that it is by grace. So if we read it that God's only going to reward you with the true riches if you do good, then we just deleted this verse. Because it's by faith that it's by grace. I don't have to earn a thing. And I can't lose it because I'm a son, right? <clears throat> it says, we give life to things that appear dead by calling them that aren't as if they are. <clears throat> and I love this translation where it says, We bring life to what appears dead by calling things that are unseen as though they are seen. So if I say this, if I say, um, if I'm sick and I say, you're looking at me physically and it's like, no, he looks half dead, for instance, right? And then you go, yeah, you're dead. You're a righteous servant. You're, You're saying the same thing. Both sides of the scale is equal, right? But if you're an unrighteous servant, you don't have to, don't be like a weird Christian. Go, no, you're not. And they're just, it condemns them typically if you do it to their face, right? Like, no, no, don't say that. Because we went through all that. Like, the, like no, no, don't say that. No, you're just going to irritate them. In your mind, you become a righteous. You say the opposite of what you're seeing. A righteous literally means I'm not going to be righteous with that. I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to see you as the person who you really are in Christ whole, upright, vibrant, just like this guy's daughter. Hey, we can see the physical. The physical, she's fighting for her life. She's intubated. Doesn't look good, right? Ah, we've found the power of Christ. It says Christ, Paul, Apostle Paul says this, Christ, or the anointing, is the wisdom and power of God. So wisdom is, I know what to do, right? And the power of God is the power of God. So when you have a situation like this, we know what to do. What do we do? We see what we want, exactly how we want it in the unseen by becoming a righteous we're not going to agree with that in our heart don't go yelling at them and no don't say that i bind you satan oh geez god i see people do this all the time like no wonder they just christians are the most annoying people on the planet sometimes and i'm one of them (laughs) no don't do that just go i know what to do it's going to be okay it's not reassuring and brotherly love it's like it's going to be okay i'm going to see you I'm going to call things that aren't as if they are. And then what I just called by being unrighteous, not agreeing with that in the spiritual, what I'm doing in the spiritual, in the unseen, will become seen. Now I'm not a lost sheep. I'm walking forward of what I want. Is this helping you? That's what the whole unrighteousness is about. So anyway, um, all right, let's go to this next slide. So you guys now all know the story, right? So you could take this either way. There's, there's multiple layers of scripture. The certain rich man could be God, right? That's how most people interpret it. God, God's very rich. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Are you a joint heir of him? 
then you are that rich man. I and the Father are one, right? So the certain rich man is God, but it's also you. So you're a very rich man. If he's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness, he's given you everything, everything, everything. If he's given you everything, that means everything he has, how rich are you? Pretty darn rich, right? He's blessed you with the most outrageous spiritual blessings. You, I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing, but it's in the spirit. You gotta learn how to walk forward. I've designed you to learn how to live out of Christ versus what you see with your senses. That's our journey through life, right? So he's saying, I've given you every blessing, everything that you could ever desire. I've made you super wealthy. You gotta learn how to not be a stewarded by what you see, the covenant of the flesh, and to go with the covenant within, which is the spirit, because that gives life. So he's talking about this stewardship where you're learning how to not live in the flesh and walk by what you see. And he's talking to the religious leaders of the day, and he says, your stewardship's gonna be taken away. Because, and then he tells you, I'll explain this whole forgiving of the debt thing. He goes, because if you can't even forgive literal physical debt and walk by faith, I cannot trust you with their eternal dwelling, which is with their soul because you're gonna demand payment for their soul too. And I'm gonna take that stewardship away and give it to the spirit. You getting the whole parable? The Pharisees are seething at the end. Religious Christians will see that this message. When they go, the prostitute who knows who she is gets way more than the one who's being good. What? So you're saying? They gnash their teeth. <laughs> right? Now granted, when she realizes, I don't need any of that, I can receive anything, I don't have to go through that, of course she's gonna be more joyful. I'm not saying to, but I'm not saying there's no condemnation in that lady if she understands who she is. Does that make sense? She goes, no, no, it has nothing to do with my physical things. It has to do with who I believe I am in here, and then I will become that. Does that help you guys? So anyway, let's see, what, what did I write in there? Uh, yeah, so when you see the unrighteous servant, sin is just a distorted picture. So all of us have come and have distortions in our life where we're not living exactly in our true identity, don't we? Like we all do. And so it's real easy to condemn somebody, something that's real easy in your life, and somebody's not living up to it, it's real easy to condemn them. Like, well, this is what I did. That's why I'm like this. I'm like, no, you didn't. You, you get nothing but by grace, right? That was, you just had a good program running in your heart that you believed you were this, and so that just effortlessly works. But other areas, we struggle because we've picked up wrong programming early in our life pastors coaches parents whatever it's not to put the blame game we just believed stuff when we were little and we've carried it all this time that's just the distorted image of who we are so when we see somebody coming like that we don't condemn them we don't judge them we we're a righteous we go i'm going to see them how i want myself to be seen it says love your brother as yourself doesn't it so you see them how you would like to be seen and then what you do in the unseen, if you accept that's real and don't waver off that, no, I know the physical is this, but I see this is real. I see this daughter, healthy, vibrant, whole, and the dad emailing me going, this is how it, it worked exactly how I saw it. What I did in the unseen just became seen. That's walking forward like a sheep. Does that help you guys? All right. And then we see this, this story where it continues in there and it says, um, this is where it really gets fun. So the oil is always the spirit, right? The olive oil is the oil. It's also, like we've been talking about, like if you can get the imagery of this oil coming out 
of a physical intimacy is like how it happens in prayer too, like the joy of feelings if it's already real. It's joyful. Prayer is never supposed to be this like, oh God, prayer. That's how I was because they're like, you got to get up at two and we got to keep the 24-hour prayer chain going. Okay, never did this before. I did it once for like 10 minutes, like, right? You were pretty faithful. I, I was like, did it once. I'm going, I'm having a glass of wine and going to bed. And this is silly to me because it says, I give to the beloved when they're resting in their sleep. Hey, you'll find salvation when you realize it's resting on your shoulders. Now I've become a sheep. Amen? I've left the 99. I've left the thing. I've totally abandoned what I've, I used to think I was. And I found salvation resting on my shoulders in the Ark of the Covenant. Amen? I just rest and it becomes. So the oil is always the Holy Spirit. And then the, we see the scripture says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth, it abides alone. But if it falls to the earth, it produces a big harvest. So the wheat in there, he talks about what do you owe in oil and wheat, right? So it's all Christ. It's the whole picture of Christ. It's the same as the parable of talents. He's been giving you this free gift called the anointing within, the gift of Christ, which is, I know what to do, and it'll release the power of God. The wisdom and power of God is Christ. Cool? So I'm trying to teach you, here's what you do for your life and anybody else's life. So he's basically saying, what debts do you owe on your oil and wheat? What are you doing with Christ? And we see in scripture that we are to leave no debt. The only debt we have is to make sure there's no debts with any of us. Leave no debt outstanding. Does that make sense to you guys? The only debt we have, the only requirement we have is we've been, it's been freely given to us. We freely give it to everybody else. So all of us are completely free. The only debt we have is to make sure we make sure everybody else is completely free. There's no debt, but to leave no debt outstanding. So it says, what do you owe in oil and wheat? The first one says, what do you owe in oil? Is it, maybe it's the next slide. Yeah, let's go to the next slide. And I'll, I'll explain this and, and you can read it too. But here's what, literally what it says. So they go, it says, what do you owe in oil? They said, 100 measures of oil. And the unrighteous servant says, that's not it. Take it and write 50. Your mind should go, what does 50 mean to a Hebrew? And I wrote it in there. 50 is always symbolic of on the Day of Atonement, it was Jubilee. Meaning, every 50th year, all debts were erased as if they never existed. And the servants, if you had a servant that couldn't pay his bill, he went back to his original family and to his original inheritance. So here's what he's doing. He's saying, what debt do you owe in the spirit? What debt do you owe in oil? No debt except Jubilee. I forgive everything as if it's not there and I, I in my mind see them back in their original state, their original identity, which is Christ, fully loved, fully abundant, stinking excited because they just sold their house and they're taking Barb and I on some cool date, right? <laughs> That's why I kept telling James, what are we doing with it? Like, where are we going? I always insert me in there, right? And my wife. So I'm joking, but it's fun too, isn't it? It's like fun to go, let's go on a hot date. Let's go do something fun, right? Uh, do you get it? He's saying, you don't know anything. Literally in Greek, it says this. It, it, it's really fun. Because then the next one, it says, what do you owe in wheat? 80. Wait, I thought God's no respect of persons. He, he reduced one guy's debt to 50 and the other guy's to 80. Time out. What gives, right? Which should mean this isn't literal right away because he gives everybody the same thing. He's not going to give one guy 50 and another guy 80. 
So it has to be the same meaning. You guys get this? All right, because otherwise it would be not cool, right? <laughs> you couldn't trust God if he, if he gave somebody else one thing and somebody else, then it would be based on merit and he doesn't do that. He goes, I give everything. The problem is he's given us everything already so we can't earn a thing. All we have to do is come into agreement that we already have it. We, co- we go to I am, I am this. So 50 meant, uh, 50 meant jubilee. We also see 50 show up at Pentecost, right? Now, what was Pentecost? Peter's trying to explain it. He's going, what's going on? It says, they've been baptized in what? The name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's not how we grew up with the priest or somebody going, I baptize you in the name of the Holy... It's not, no, no. Baptism means immersion because if you really look at this, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a holy day. There's no way they could get a Jew that would only walk so far to go miles to get to the nearest water. This is not about water. I don't care what you say. <laughs> Wrong answer, right? Go back and give a bill to your seminary teacher because he taught you incorrectly. That's not what it's about. You should get all your money back if you went from Bible school, most of you guys. Going, I'm worse off now than I was because they've taught you the letter, right? Which kills you. Most people, they go in all excited, like, yeah, I'm gonna learn about God. That's what happened to Barbara and I. And then we're like, this is killing me. This is the worst news ever. It'd be better to just be ignorant than at the last minute, my fire insurance. At least I had fun, right? I had fun on the way. And like, no, you got to suck through life like me. No, that doesn't sound, no, that, no, I'm waiting till the end then, right? If all I need to do is say these magic words and say an incantation and I'm in, I'm not dumb, I'll do it, but I'm just going to live my life the way I'm still living it and enjoy it, right? I'm going to be the prodigal. At least he's having fun. The other guy's a billionaire and is not enjoying one ounce of it, as you can tell. He's trying to earn everything and not enjoying any of it. So anyway, so Pentecost was you're completely immersed in the nature of God. What is the nature of God? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I, I realize that all of us are created male, female, that what I choose to see within the womb of man, the female aspect of me, doesn't argue. It takes that seed and produces offspring, the son. He goes, once you are fully baptized in the nature of God, Pentecost, now you get it. It's just talking about the same story. It's all the same story. You guys getting this? Every story is the same story. They're just coming out of it a million times until one of you finally goes, making bacon on the beach. Oh, bacon. Right? <laughs> I'm talking about Homer Simpson. So they show this image of this babe on the beach. It's like, making bacon on the beach. And all Homer can see is, oh, bacon. <laughs> Once you get it. So anyway. That's scripture, actually. Scripture's all this kind of fun stuff in there. So, now what's 80? 80 is almost the same thing. 80 is going, this transition from slavery in the flesh to sonship in the spirit. It's always this freedom. And so he goes, hey, you don't know a thing. You know what? Go from the flesh, trying to earn it, to the spirit. You're fully, everything's already yours. Like the, the example I used was Moses that old way of life of trying to please the flesh is gone. I'm entering into the promised land strictly by what I believe. Amen? So he was 80 when he commanded Pharaoh to let his people go. So it's always 80 is the same thing. So that's what he's trying to tell him. What do you owe? Guys, you owe nothing. You're completely free, right? Now, here's where it gets a little tricky. Because um, then he says this. He goes, uh, you should be like that unrighteous servant who cooked the books. He's not telling them to cook the books literally. Like he, I'm not telling an employee of James and Rhonda to go, if you get a $100 bill, write 50. That's not what I'm talking about. He's talking about if anybody comes to you, it would be like this. 
is if somebody owes me $100, I'm just going to use their physical example that they used. If somebody owes me $100, and I'm going to use that I owe somebody, you, one of you guys $100, so I, I don't want you to feel guilty. So, um, <laughs> so I, lo- I, owe, I owe Roy 100 bucks, right? No, I think of it. I think you probably owe me. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Let's say I owe Roy 100 bucks, and I can't pay it, right? Hey, you're going to pay. Yeah, isn't that how most Christians act? I'll forgive you once you pay it. Well, that's not forgiveness. That means I'm okay once you make the scales balanced on the outside. Now, if you look at Christianity that way, somebody's still paying. And everything's supposed to be a gift. What gives? Right? Therefore, it's by faith, it's by grace. Nobody had to pay anything. Interesting, isn't it? But I digress. So if I can't pay it, Based on the unrighteous servant, he's looking at me going, hey, he sees I'm in a tough spot financially or I'm in in a tough spot with my health or I'm in a tough spot in relationships. He's going to be a righteous if he's following the the unrighteous servant. He's going to look at me and go, Mike, you're forgiven. Now, here's how most people, Christians go. You mean I'm just supposed to forgive the debt? Yeah, that's what forgiveness is. Well, I can't do that. Where am I going to get my money? Ah... Now we get to the heart of it, don't we? Where your heart is, that's where your riches are going to be. If the heart was in, I got to do this business deal, and if they can't pay it back, then I'm going to sue them. Go read Paul again. He's like, what in the world are you guys doing suing a Christian in front of non-believers? You destroy the whole testimony, is what he's saying. What are you doing taking them before a court of law? Don't you get that you guys are going to sit on the 12 thrones and judge all of Israel? You got to think spiritually again. He's like, 12 was always perfection, perfect rule and reign. He's like, don't you get it? What you do within, you'll judge no one in the heavenly dwelling, right? Because you're going to be in complete authority. You can make anything happen at any time. And what he wants is for perfect love and forgiveness. So what, he, what he's saying is, why wouldn't you just yourself be wronged? Forgive that debt and be wronged. But that doesn't mean you lose. This is where people get it. Declare jubilee. So he declares jubilee for me. Hey, you don't know anything. No, there's 50 and there's 80. He's not saying literally change it. He's saying there's no debt, Mike. Now here's what he needs to do. He needs to do that for himself. He thinks he's out 100 bucks by forgiving me. No, he declares jubilee for himself too. I am restoring myself. In fact, you can get as creative as what I want. That's why I sent the email. You could add two zeros or any number to it. Right? So if he's really an, an unfaithful servant, here's what he should be doing. I know Mike's in a tough spot right now and he can't repay. I know they, they have, they're struggling in their health right now and they can't repay. They can't do it in the natural. I know they're, they're, their relationship's rough right now. They just told me this is going to happen, this is going to happen. They can't repay. I'm going to see them. I'm going to declare jubilee in my spirit about them. I'm going to see them fully abundant, fully healthy, fully prosperous. And what I do in the unseen is going to make it seen. What you do in the secret place, the whole world's going to see. Amen? So he doesn't leave himself 100 bucks short. You can add two zeros or whatever you want. So he could see himself getting $10,000 back. He could see his treasury getting $100,000 back. And if he can accept it as real, hey, Mike can't pay. You know what? I declare Jubilee, not only for myself and for him. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful gift that Mike can't pay me. I declare Jubilee. Now I'm going to be restored to my true identity, which is unlimited abundance. Your true identity is God himself, the rich man, right? Thank you, Father, I have $10,000 coming back in my treasury. 
That works. Isn't that better? Now the master says, well done. And all of everybody's pleased. Your brother, you're walking in phileo is what it says. You're walking in brotherly love. And he goes, if you can't, then he says, if you're unfaithful in the little things. Now, what we're taught is the exact opposite. It says, if you're not good with money, he's not going to trust you with anything. What, time out. Go read chapter 15. What he's saying is, if you can't even forgive physical debt and walk by faith, that you're, you have abundance and you need to take somebody to court, your trust is in the external mammon. He goes, if you're not faith, if you can't walk in faith in that and forgive somebody in the least of things, which is money, there's no way you should be teaching up here about somebody's soul because you're going to get it wrong. And the Pharisees were ticked. The religious leaders were ticked. Isn't that interesting? Because you know what you're going to believe? You can't even walk by faith like that. So are you saying that Hitler's in? Praise God Hitler's in. Because otherwise I'm not in. Amen? And he's trying to show them, he goes, Where, where's your heart? Where do you have trust in? You have trust in that guy balancing the scales in the natural? Or you just see, you walk by faith. You see, you know what? The anointing within me is the wisdom and power of God. If I see myself and that person in their true identity, I raise both of them up to that and we walk in brotherly love. If you can't do that with something in the least, physical money, there's no way I can trust you with the eternal dwellings is what it says in that. Isn't that interesting? Now, go just do, if you want to do a good, quick little search, go, I, I did this. I did like 100, 100 of the mega pastors on this thing. Not one of them got it. What are they doing up here? They're going to make people demand, pay for their soul too is what it says. I can't trust you with eternal blessings. If you can't even walk by faith in something physical, it's not even yours. Your true identity is Christ. How in the world can you teach anybody about their true identity? Isn't that amazing? It's the exact opposite of what he says, but I digress. It's so good when you get it. Now let me share some testimonies and then we'll, we'll end this. You guys good? This, you getting this? Is it making sense to you? He's called all of us to be unrighteous, meaning call things that aren't as if they are and what we call, and it'll become if we accept it as real. So I found this service from 1961 that they were teaching on the unrighteous servant correctly. Now, this is so good because I, I shared a while back um, that uh, maybe a year ago, two years ago, most people... There's no time in the spirit. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no time, right? Everything's in total, total perfection. Everything's in ter- perfect harmony in, the, in, in him. Everything. Even when, even when the most atrocious thing's going on, the kingdom of God is not anything you see out here. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. No problem, is what he's saying. No problem. They're not using their, their talents while they're on earth very well. They're not enjoying life, but guess what? The promise still remains. All will be a child of Abraham and Sarah. All nations. He's not upset. He goes down any road you want to go because he knows in the end he's going to get you. <laughs> that's, the, that's the passion of God. It's the wrath of God. It's what he says. If you don't get it, yeah, you may make a mess of some things. But we know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to be unrighteous servants in there. I don't see them as that. Even the most vile human, we see them in their true identity as Christ. So we judge no man is that just the guys who accepted Christ? Or does it mean no man? We judge no man in the flesh. What's going on out here? That means no man. Tough, isn't it? And if you can't do that, you should, this stewardship should be taken away. If you're telling something else up here, then you should be taken away. 
right? Because that's not even going to be true. He goes, you're, you're telling people stuff, garbage. You don't even know. I can't trust you with your true identity. You're going to tell them they're garbage until they act like you. And the opposite is true. So that Israeli, so here's what they did. So there was a, uh, a study done. I'll have to find it. I'll, maybe I'll bring it out tomorrow night on fellowship, Sunday night fellowship. But it was this. So they had a double blind study. like 3,000 people that they, they had a group of people that had sepsis, blood disease, kind of tough, like this guy's daughter, like struggling for their life, right? And so double blind study, the computer kicked out. They go, hey, here's 1,500 here. Here's 1,500 here. You don't know who you're praying for. But it was a group of people who knew how to pray. So they've seen these guys fully restored, healthy, abundant, and not looking at their sepsis, not going, please, God, if there's a God, have mercy. None of that. He's already given you all of it, is what it says. You have it all. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the gifts I've given you, the talents I've given you? So what they did is they saw these people healthy, whole, or whatever. Sure enough, they get the results. Yep, the people you prayed for actually got better. The control group, same statistics of anybody with sepsis, right? Then they told them the whammy. You guys remember this? You didn't know this part. You were praying for people that were released out of the hospital or died five years ago. Can you change your past? Absolutely. As if it didn't exist. Because he's, the only God he is is I am, present tense God. So how you see yourself right now literally rewrites your past because the spirit is only I am, it's present tense. You will only experience what you're experiencing right now and it can't be any other way. He never changes. Isn't that cool? So these are some cool studies, or these are some cool testimonies after they learned how to do this. Hey, did you had a bad day? Rewrite it. Quickly, sit down, take your book and rewrite it. So it says, you don't know anything. Quickly rewrite it how you wanted it to be, and it'll, it'll go forward as how you want it to be, and it actually heals your past at the same time, because he's only the God of I am. That's awesome, isn't it? So... I mean, it's no secret, Barb and I, I've shared a lot, but what we started to do is go, you know what, she's my childhood, she's my high school sweetheart. Now, that wasn't the case. We weren't even our engaged sweethearts. <laughs> we were fighting all the way through it. But you know what? At first, it was a struggle. I'm like, I'm going to see her how I want to see her. And then your brain wants to go, God, no, you just got in a big fight. It's her fault. No, it's his fault. Right? Anybody ever done that? We're walking like, we're walking at our tail. We're keeping ourselves hooked to our past. Leave that 90 plus nine is what it says. Stop looking backwards, see exactly what you want. So we started to go, you know what? We're high school sweethearts. It's been awesome. And now I can say that exactly that. It is, it is actually, I tell people, they're like, we can't even picture it. I go, because that man, that Moses is dead. We don't even know where that man is anymore. As if it didn't exist. Amen? So, Check this out. So here's, uh, here's one lady. I'll share two testimonies, then we'll be out. I just want you guys to get this. So uh, which, which one I want to share? Okay, so this was a lady. For 39 years, she had pain in her back, all right? <clears throat> but she heard this. Like, you mean all I have to see, I can go rewrite the past is I can see how I wanted it to be as if it was, and it heals the past as well as now? Let's listen. For 39 years, I suffered from a weak back. And this is 1961, so they use English that's not real popular today. But the pain would increase and decrease, but would never leave completely. The condition had progressed to the point where I used medical treatment almost constantly. The doctor would put the hip back in for a moment. The pain simply would not go away forever. One night I heard you speak on this. <clears throat> After 40 years that you could revise it, you could quickly sit down and write how you wanted it to be. 
I had remembered that at the age of three or four, I had fallen backwards from a very high swing and had been ill from that because of a serious hip injury. So she fell out of the swing, got hurt, and ever since her hip has hurt. From that time on, I've never been completely free from the pain and, had, and I've paid many a dollar to alleviate the condition to no avail. This year, during the month of August, the pain had become so severe and intense that one night I decided to test what you're saying. I tried to revise that accident in my mind, which had been the cause of so much distress and pain and costly medical fees my whole, entire, my whole adult life. Many nights passed, but finally I could feel myself back as that child. <clears throat> uh, I, and, and I finally succeeded. So it took her some effort to like go back and go, no, instead of, see, instead of repeating that story of me falling out of the swing, go, yeah, that's why I'm that way. Or this happened to you back then, or your dad did this to you, or this person did this to you. You're walking backwards. You're hooked to what you keep focused on, right? So, so I finally succeeded. One night I actually felt myself. So you literally feel yourself on the swing. You feel the air on your, your face. You're, you're feeling it as you're playing it out in your mind is what, how it works. On that swing, feeling the rush of wind as the swing rose higher and higher. As the swing slowed down, I jumped forward. I landed solidly on my feet. In my imagination, I ran over to my mother and insisted she come watch. Watch, mom. Watch what I can do. I did it again and again, jumping down from the swing and landing safely on my feet. I repeated this in my imagination until I finally went, fell asleep. Because sleep, you guys know, sleep is really when you ultimately literally go from conscious of going on and all of a sudden you're unconscious, Right? Some of you guys are better at it. Than, like, I lay down, I'm snoring. Like, I'm just, pfft. what's there to stay awake for? Like, I'm, I'm in this bed to lay down. Unless we're going to go into a prayer session. <laughs> oh, the agony of that. Please take me from this agony. Anyway, prayer takes on a whole new meaning when you get it. It's really enjoyable. So, so what did she do? She had been repeating this thing like, yeah, you know, since I was three or four, I fell out of the swing and my hip has never been the same. I'm feeling this pain. She's walking backwards. She's looking back, going, this is the cause of what I am. She can cut all of that off, see what she wanted it to be like in her imagination. Hey, I jumped out of the swing. I landed. I did it over and over again. I felt the joy and the rush of, look, mom, look what I can do. So she felt the joy of it. Does that make sense? Within two days, the pain in my back and hip began to recede. Within two months, the pain was completely long, never existed as if it never existed in me. A condition that plagued me for more than 39 years and cost me a fortune was no more. She was the unrighteous servant. I'm going to disagree with what my history is telling me, and I'm going to see myself how I want myself to be. And I'm going to do that for everybody else. Ah, not only will God be happy, you're going to walk in brotherly love. Want to hear one more? This is kind of cool too. This is, this is James and Rhonda right here. This is what people, it's actually quite easy now, but um, so she says, this is lady's writing and she goes, um, late in July, I wrote to a real estate agent that I wanted to sell a piece of land which had become a financial burden for me. She had owned property and it became a burden. He replied rather negatively and listed all the reasons why sales were slow right, near, right now and it's going to be a standstill. He told me a very bleak forecast and said, it's probably going to be a year or so before we can sell it. Is that good news? Not if you want to sell it, right? I received his letter on Tuesday. In my mind, I quickly rewrote it. I saw that letter indicating that the agent was so eager to take my listing. I read that revised letter over and over. In my imagination, I created a picture using the theme... uh, of seed time and harvest. I saw what I wanted. In my imagination, I, I wrote out the letter and I said, this lot is sold for a profit. As the author of 
of my life, I wrote this simple scene which, in me, which implied fulfillment. So this is what she's, this is where the English is a little tough, but she said, I saw myself standing in a real estate office. I extended my hand to the agent and said, thank you, sir. It was a pleasure doing business with you. I rehearsed this over and over until it became real to me and, and of which would, I, I'm trying to read it in modern English and I'm not doing a very good job. I imagined myself as the actor until the scene was vividly real and felt the relief that I would have when this burden would have be, was actually lifted and the property was sold. So imagine the agents, sales are bad, slow, uh, interest rates, whatever. It's, just, it's all garbage, right? If you can have anything you want because you've been given everything already, then pick something glorious. Pick something really good. So, so in her mind, she said, you know what? I'm not going to take what the real estate agent said to me. I'm going to go, you know what? Congratulations. Your, prof, your, your house just sold for 10000 over asking price, right? It's been a pleasure doing business with you. Three days later, the agent that I had originally written and phoned me saying, I have a deposit for your lot at the price that you specified. The papers in this office are the next day. He extended his hand and said, thank you, sir. The agent replied, it was a pleasure doing business with you. In five days, I had constructed in my mind exactly how I want it to be, and the physical reality played out word for word just as I had done it in my mind. It's the power of Christ. Amen? Does this help you? All right, you can get to your feet. So, <sighs> The natural man, what we see with our senses, replace it with the spiritual man. When you see something that you don't like in yourself or somebody else, you have Christ, which is you know what to do and it literally releases the power of God. It says Christ is the wisdom and the power of God. You know what to do and you know it will work. That's really what he's saying, amen? So all we do, guys, is you see the greatest glorious picture that you want for yourself and somebody else. You don't keep them in any debt, meaning I see that they're lacking in this area in their life in the physical, but I know I don't judge any man in that. I'm going to see them in Christ, which is their true identity, abundant, whole, vibrant, healthy. Relationships are awesome with people. Everything good. Amen? And I don't care if you accept that as true, what you just did in your mind, if it takes 7 billion people or however many billion people are in the U.S. or the world, everybody says, the sheep hear my voice. Somebody in the world will respond to that and make it happen just as you saw it in your mind. That is the wisdom and the power of Christ, and that's how you become the unrighteous servant. Amen? Hope it helps you guys. God bless. We'll see you on the trail.